Diversion Audio. Hey there, Skylar here. Welcome to Dear Skylar, where I talk to incredible people to address common questions I'm asked as a transgender educator regarding topics like gender, race, mental health, inclusion, and everything in between and beyond. Unfortunately, I get a lot of comments like this. You're not trans, you're just confused. Why don't you get help? This is a sickness. You're not really a man, Skylar. You're just a confused, mentally ill woman. You're mentally ill. Stop indoctrinating my children. And really, these are the tame ones. I know I'm not alone in facing comments like this. So today, the question we'll be addressing is, how do I find joy, specifically transgender joy, amidst so much transphobia? When I first started coming out as transgender, I came out on Instagram. I had barely told anybody in my life that I was trans, but I found a small population of trans people on Instagram that I, that I wanted to connect with. And probably a couple months into making this account, I made a post of myself wearing a blue plaid shirt and a, and a new pair of chino pants that I was really excited about. I took a selfie in a mirror and I felt really good. I felt kind of aligned with my image for the first time in a long time. And I was very excited about this photo that I took of myself. So I posted it, said something about feeling good and, and moved on with my day. Later that evening, I checked and there was many comments from some trolls that had found the, the post and they said, you'll never be a man, you're always going to be a woman, you look just like a girl, you are a girl. And there was just there was a lot of these types of comments. And I felt kind of crushed in that moment because I had felt so aligned with my image. I'd felt that I looked manly and to have that sort of shattered by somebody's response was difficult. It took me a good amount of therapy and community support to figure out how to interface with those comments especially as they, they worsened, both in intensity and in frequency. Over the years, I've gotten hundreds, if not thousands of comments just like that, and, and many that are far worse, that could really hurt me and bring me down. And I'm not alone in this. Every other trans person I know who chooses to share their identity in public on a daily basis interfaces with these comments also on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis. We are constantly told that we are not enough, whether that be not man enough, not woman enough, not person enough. We're told that our identities are some sort of sickness, despite the fact that every major medical, psychological, and psychiatric association affirms that being trans is actually not a mental illness. But for whatever reason, and I'm going to guess it's a lot of their own insecurities, their own upbringings, people are really intent on telling us that they don't think that we belong, that some part of us is wrong. And as much as I wish that we could brush these comments aside, that I could teach other people to do the same, they can be very, very hurtful. Even for people who are secure in their trans identity like I am. They can wear at you, they can grind at you, and they can make you feel like you don't belong, like you don't have a place here. Over my time in the public eye, I've found ways to survive through this and not just survive, but actually thrive, to sink into my trans joy despite all the hate that I weather. And I know that other trans people also must do this. So today, to help answer this question of how we find trans joy amidst so much transphobia, I spoke with someone who has been confronted with more of these comments than really anyone lately, Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan is an actress, influencer, and all-around incredible person. She is so sweet, and if you're familiar with her work, which I'm going to bet that you are, you know that she's so kind, positive, and just funny. 
She brings levity to everything that she does, and I've always been impressed by that in her content. She got her start on Broadway as a part of the cast of the musical Book of Mormon, but her public profile rose in 2022 when she began documenting her transition on TikTok as a part of her Days of Girlhood series. Since then, she's appeared on numerous talk shows like The Drew Barrymore Show and even had the chance to speak with President Biden at the White House about trans rights as a part of a presidential forum for Now This. You've probably seen Dylan on TikTok or recently hitting headlines everywhere due to a barrage of hate in response to partnerships she shared on social media. This transphobia has included everything from horrible, hateful Twitter threads, vicious articles, and violent videos from powerful public figures. I met her at her house because she was uncomfortable leaving due to the amount of press and protest outside. Despite this, she was still positive and upbeat throughout our entire conversation where I asked her about how she was able to manage that, what she's learned throughout this tumultuous time. I hope our conversation will shed some light on what it's like to face these comments regularly and how we hold on to ourselves, our truths, and our cores despite all the hate. A quick heads up that this is an edited version of our conversation. To hear even more from Dylan about topics like her facial feminization surgery and even a few questions she had for me, subscribe to Diversion Plus. Dylan, I am in your house. This is crazy. I'm Welcome. so excited. <laughs> Thank you. I can't believe like it's so crazy, these parasocial relationships that mm. we develop. And mm -hmm. like I've had one with you before you even knew me because I've followed you for many years. Mm. But I, there is nothing like like finally getting getting to meet someone, mm -hmm. especially like the trans community that we see doing things, you know, and you're like, oh my God, yes, go, go. Like, I feel like I've been cheering you on. And now like we actually get to be together. I have been following you for, I will, the entire time I've seen your videos for, for the past year plus. Okay. I um, was telling you this though. I think this was like the year, probably like 2016, 2017. I was in college in Cincinnati. Um, obviously, had had those gender thoughts mm. that were, you know, have been with me for many, many years. But as far as seeing trans people online, that was a rarer occasion. Right, right. And a post of yours came up. I remember I was in my bathroom in like, this was like junior year of college. And I remember seeing you and, and like, you had like a similar aesthetic already. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you had already found your, like your mm -hmm. groove, your mm -hmm. vibe. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, oh, like it, it almost like, I call it like, like the trans tingle of like, the mm. like the, like before you come out and you see someone doing something that you want or that you feel like. And what was interesting too, is that like, I so desperately didn't want to enjoy boyhood or like mm, associate mm -hmm, with being mm -hmm, a man. And then sure. like watching you like go, I was like, wow, that's so cool that like he wants that. Mm. And I also, that was like my first, you were my first experience with like trans social media. Oh, so to really? have you sitting here, yes, you were. And I think you are for, you were for a lot of people. So. Dylan, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate you sharing that. You've risen to fame kind of overnight in many ways. And we were talking a little bit about what that feels like. And my experience was, was similar in that I had, you know, media on me, especially in, in sports and such. But um, but the attention is, is very different, especially for trans women um, and trans femme folks. And so I, I, I don't know, I'm curious about how it's been feeling to go from like zero to 100 and what that, you know, how you've been managing. That. Well, I, all I ever wanted to do was like, dance on Broadway. Like that was like, that's what I went to school for. I grew up in my life. You know, I, I was in dance classes at age three. That was sort of the only 
space that I had that um, was allowed me to be feminine. I was the only boy in that dance studio in a very small, like rural part of San Mm -hmm. Diego. Mm -hmm. And my whole life trajectory was the fact that like, I was like, okay, this is the one thing you love to do. So like live in it. And I think what was complicated too, is like when you do theater, even there's like, you play gender roles. Like you Mm -hmm. literally are Mm -hmm. like, okay, I am playing this character. It's a boy. There was always that, you know, note that I needed to be more masculine or that like, even in college, like they put me on, or I, I I will say I put myself on like weight gainer and like trying to be this, Mm. this person that I wasn't. And leading up to my coming out really like I just thought the best that there was going to be was like, keep your head down, try to, you know, be in the background on Broadway. Like that's the dream. Mm -hmm. And I think when I came out publicly, first of all, I had no idea that this all was going to (laughs) happen. I had no idea we sitting here with you, Mm. but I also think there was like sort of um, an untapped potential there um, in a way that I'm still navigating because what happens when you do get a platform or when you, you know, when it happens fast, you know, all these opportunities get thrown at you. And I'm now trying to be a little bit more diligent in what I'm accepting. And Mm. like, because I kind of, at, at the beginning, I took everything because I was in a scarcity mindset of like, oh my God, this might only last for so long. Or like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Cause I don't want to let anyone down. I, mm. I had never, you know, financially, I couldn't believe that, you know, you could, um, find success on the internet. Like my dad thought it was like monopoly money. <laughs> um, but now I think looking back, uh, we were talking a little bit before we started about purpose mm. and like mm-hmm. what our purposes are. And I think, you know, coming out as trans, there already is that automatic, like, activist purpose that gets Mm. sort of put onto you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't want to necessarily lean away from that because there is a responsibility there Mm, of like, mm -hmm. how can I, you know, being in this place of privilege, having this much um, uh, of an audience, Mm. you know, if you have the ability to um, speak to others about some of the really horrible things going on for the community, I think it's important. Um, but I will also say that I'm a baby trans, you know, (laughs) like I am only, you know, a year into, I think today, well, about a year. Um, and I still have so much left to learn. And yet there's a lot of people looking to me to give the answers Mm. when there's so many other trans, especially, you know, black trans women and elders in the community that have been doing this for so much longer. Mm. And like, even that white house gig that I was offered, I now was like, oh, that should not have been me. Mm. Um, But I said yes, because out of a place of, of scarcity, Mm. out of a place Mm. of like, okay, but I, I now realize that my actions have the potential to either take us a step forward or take us two steps back. Mm. And so if I allow myself some patience and the community and my followers allow me a little bit of patience to really learn, that's one of the things on my vision board <laughs> that is over there, was like just making sure that I know what I'm speaking about before mm-hmm, I speak on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean, what, what's striking me about what you said is you said I'm a baby trans and my, I like my heart, like, like twinged, like pulled as you said that because you are. And I remember what it was like to be there. And 
I mean, I had a fraction of the amount of attention at the time, like audience that you had, and it was still overwhelming, right? It when was still you, hard. When um, did you publicly start social media in relationship to your transition? Yeah, so I came out in the summer of 2014 to myself. Mm-hmm. And then the about 10 months later, the summer of 2015, I began doing interviews. And that was when I started doing 60 Minutes stuff. A, a year after that, I started Ellen. So like, it basically was, it was a slow build about a year yeah. of that. And, and even then- But you had some privacy. I had privacy. I had coming out with my friends. I had coming out with my family. Like I had, I had grounding. And I also been in therapy because I had been struggling with an eating disorder. I had been in really intense therapy for about a year before I came out. So there was a lot that had set me up and still I felt overwhelmed. And so- I mean, I coach a lot of young trans people and at the phase of the time, phase is a tough word to use, but you know what I mean? The, the time of, of one's life, the, the uh, of transition at one year, like a person should be building a fortress around themselves, you know, in my opinion. Well, of- I think about like longevity and it is crazy the way that social media has made us feel like we are only as relevant as our last post or like, (laughs) you know, it's, I think what social media has done is made us, some of us come out maybe potentially before we're ready or, you know, share things before we were ready. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I did days of girlhood was because I hadn't seen, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, like very beginning start. Mm -hmm. And now I know why sometimes, you know, and and I see other Mm -hmm. people doing days of girlhood and it does warm my heart, but I get nervous because Mm -hmm. I know that there were moments that I was not ready for. Um, And I now can acknowledge that. I don't necessarily regret anything because I think this is all part of our stories, right? We're all on these paths. We're figuring it out. And we, um, you know, we'll we'll definitely make mistakes. But I do worry sometimes about like other baby trans that are, you know, in the position. Well, and that's what I I wanted to sort of uh, highlight. I mean, what I hear you're saying is that you're learning out loud and you're learning with a very large audience. Mm -hmm. And that's really stressful. And I I love what you said about learning to give yourself patience, your followers too, giving you patience. Um, But I I hear a lot of sort of like... um, What's the right way? Like, I think it looks, it sounds like you're trying to develop this compassion for yourself as you're stumbling through whatever you're, you're stumbling through. And um, I think for me, that's been something that's been really hard. And we talked a little about this before, the sort of, you, you had said, being pushed into a certain, you know, expectation of this yeah. is how you need to be an advocate. This is how you be a public yes. figure. Can you talk a little bit about that pressure and how it feels? Well, are you a people pleaser? Oh, for sure. Okay. I'm a, re- I can I'm tell. a recovering people well, pleaser. Okay. For anyone that's watching or listening, um, Skylar came in and immediately was like, okay, well, we kind of need to do a different setup of the living room, like pushing furniture around, but was so apologetic about it. And I was like, <laughs> you're exposing babe, like, me. <laughs> no, like I was like, no, like do whatever you need to do. And yet you did have that air of like, okay, like, you know, is everything okay? Is everything okay? That's me times a hundred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember like even in college, this was just a few years ago. Like if one person potentially didn't like me, Mm. it would keep me up at night. Like Mm. truly I was like, Oh God, how do I fix this? Mm -hmm. And now there are hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm, of people mm -hmm. that do not like me. Mm -hmm. And I still sometimes can't sleep, but Mm. it in a weird way has been a blessing to sort of break that people pleasing Mm. mentality Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because I can't, there's no way that I can win those people over. Right, and and right. I actually, if you'll go back to some of my earlier videos, like I was like pleading with these people that, you know, I was anything. I was like, what can I say to show them a different part of myself? What can mm. I do? And now I'll like sift through comments and 
I'll read them and I'll start constructive, you know, either you're too feminine or, you know, you're doing this. And then it'll be like, and then you'll, you will never be a woman. And that's mm. when I stop reading because I'm like, oh, there's nothing constructive about this. <laughs> but my, as much as now when I speak on camera, on, you know, on my platform, it is for the people that care about me, that, that do um, see me as a woman, that, that value me. Um, it's not for those other people. And I, I'm less concerned about them now in my, because what I think- how did you get there? Sorry to interrupt you, but well, I think what's sad is like my page for a second was like a pretty safe space, mm -hmm. and then it sort of recently has become this like culture war in the comments. I just found out you can limit like now only my followers can comment, which mm. of course bad people can still follow me and comment. Sure, but it's a one more step. <laughs> but I'm like interested in like okay, how can I like reclaim what I originally intended to, mm. and then also, but my my true like alliance is to our community and it's mm. like i i want to make you all proud i want to mm. make sure that like i am not taking us back in any way mm. and there you know there i have now had some very productive conversations with other trans people about you know ways i've said things or like and then i go oh my god yes i mm. i that happened too soon or you know even talking with laverne cox and she said you know sometimes you need to make sure you're ready mm. And that's what I would say to anyone that was like going to start a day one video is like, sit and enjoy this, that, that euphoria mm. that you, you know, that first initial like mm -hmm. launch of it, because once you put yourself out there and not to say that you shouldn't, but once you put yourself out there, it's like, there are so many opportunities to have it taken away from mm. you. So I do look back at like, I, I did, I had um, started hormones, you know, a few months before publicly coming out. And I think back on those days, I was like, oh, that was the best. Mm. So there are those moments that are necessary. And I would um, counsel my past self differently, I think. We'll be right back with Dear Skylar in a minute. One of the things you said to me earlier, and I think you said it on, on actually on the pod so far, is you said, I, I just wanted to dance. I just wanted to be on Broadway. I just wanted yeah. to be a performer and an entertainer. Um, and what I thought of when you said that was, so I, I'm a swimmer and mm -hmm. I swam in college. And that was a really big part of my journey. That was the reason I had a platform at mm -hmm. all is because I swam and happened to be trans. But all of college people called me an activist. They were like, oh, Skylar, that trans activist. Oh, mm -hmm. Skylar, that swimmer activist, right? And I fervently rejected it. I was like, I'm not an activist. I'm not an advocate. You're only calling me that because I happen to also be transgender, right? I'm a swimmer and I'm trans. And when you put those two things together, suddenly I become an activist because that's something you don't think should exist. And that's why you're calling me an activist. And I didn't like it. And they needed you. Like yeah. this whole, like whether they knew it or not, those people that were projecting on, because they didn't have someone else that they could immediately mm. throw that title onto. So it was like, oh, great. Here's this job mm. that you didn't necessarily even apply for, <laughs> but like you got it. You got the job. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't want it, well, too bad. You know, and I think in, in similar ways, I'm hearing that from what you're explaining in your experience of like, you just wanted to be a performer, you wanted to be an entertainer. Yeah. And then there's all these responsibilities. So, well, I, I'm now seeing like 
the way that sometimes I learn can be through like scripted television, right? Like I'll, sometimes it's easier for an audience to like digest something through like a character versus like a real human being. Hmm. And so I actually think like trans actors, actresses, singers, performers in general, like I think that can be its own form of activism. Of course. Because it comes with the chat, like there are so many challenges as far as like, making sure that a role is even like suitable or that like the material is like, who is this written by? Is this someone that has the experience to like write on this? Or, right. um, and a lot of actors I think then get put in a place where they have to contribute and not just be an actor and actress because they are trans and there's right. nobody else in the room. Right. And so for me, I think I am so excited to create stories and, and, hopefully like my dream one day would be to have a production company mm. where I can like boost other, you know, trans stories and, mm. and make things. I love um, that. But in like, in the meantime, I think that's, that was always my like strong suit growing up. Like that's what I was felt called to do. And now creating, I get creating stories and characters, creating stories, singing, dance, making people laugh like mm. that. And that you're very gets, good at it. Thank you. But comedy gets very complicated with transness. Mm. And I think the problem is, is that because people see me as an activist or they, they decide that when I choose to make light of certain topics, because that's like the comedian in me, it then gets taken out of context and, and used against me or mm. us as a community. Right, right, right. And I've really like sort of um, had to dial certain things down. I'm actually a lot edgier in person. I curse. Like I um Dylan over any curses. Can you believe what? Um, <laughs> but I again just trying to be so cognizant of how things are going to be taken. Right. Um it's exhausting to do that. Yeah, but shouldn't we be able to like laugh about it sometimes? Mm. I really vibe with what you're saying. I think having, especially having been in the media for talking about sports for a long time and, and trans athletes in sports, trans women in sports, mm -hmm. everything I say can be taken the wrong way. Right. And, um, they want to corner us. They want us to say the wrong thing so they can get the sound bite. And, um, and they want that with, with you too, of well, course. I'm, and they might have, they have better luck with me because I am still so new. And I think there's something about targeting me because like, what are you going to target like Laverne Cox? Who's like, I mean, that's the, that's a woman. That is the definition of a woman to me. And you are also the definition of a woman. Thank you. But I think from their perspective, it's like, Oh, she, we've got a better chance of getting her to detransition mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and also a better chance of me messing it up. Mm -hmm. um, and I have. I have like a little news thing. I don't like to actually read the news because mm -hmm. it's too much for me, but I read what I have to, right? Yeah. Um, and on, on my, you know, browser, I have a little news thing that shows me like clips of news. So I don't actually have to read the whole thing. I read the mm -hmm. headlines, which is for better or for worse. But you've been on the headlines a lot recently. Um, sometimes it's good, but a lot of times I'm not going to tell you the headlines. A lot of times it's not so good. Oh, I know. Um, and I know you know. <laughs> but we don't need to, we don't repeat, but, but you have not had a lot of time in the public eye and also a lot of time in the public eye, right? Not mm -hmm. a lot time in terms of years, but a lot of time recently. And 
I know that for, even for me with, uh, you know, the, the, whatever the fame that I've had small amounts has, it's been hard for me to protect my manhood when people, when people accuse me of being a woman. And I remember the first time I read this article about me where it said it took my eating disorder actually, and it twisted it. It said, um, something like all, you know, all trans guys are just, are just girls with eating disorders. And I was like, oh my God, it oh. really hurt me. Cause I was literally at the time was in treatment for my eating disorder yes. surrounded by only women. Major and I was, trigger. it was like three in the morning where I was trying and it, and this article actually wasn't about me specifically this one and it was just about trans people and it crushed me i was like i went into this whole spiral for probably like a week which is a long time in treatment um where i got stuck on this and i just couldn't get it out of my head and it hurt but i i learned how to how to get past it because actually what to, to be honest what i said was you know what maybe i am just this to you i am just this woman with an eating disorder and that can be your truth but it's not mine how have you dealt with that I've been wondering a lot this past week of like what the psychological effects are like are and will be of being called a man thousands and thousands of times a day. Um, I'm really trying to get better about like not, not seeing reading. that stuff because it's hard because like I want to be accessible to the right people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then in other ways, like then if some, you know, one person ruins it for us all, I can't check the DMs. Right, right. Or I have to limit the comments. And I fear what has happened is that I have not actually gotten to process anything that's happened this year mm. um, or what this has been. And so I'm hoping that, you know, I've, I've got a really great therapist, life mm. coach, like we're putting in the work. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear you have that team. Thank you. Do you have good support? Oh, I, have, I have a team too. I have a therapist. Okay. I have a partner. I have family. I have friends. I, I'm all my friends are trans. All my very close friends yes. are all trans, yes. and it's, it's beautiful. So I have support. As and there's well. nothing like talking to another trans person about yeah. some of these things. I mean, I felt like I already knew you not only because of online, but I just there's a, there's a, a connection I feel with trans people uh, very Built easily. In. You yes. know what I mean? And I will say that's because I think we've we've had to do the work. Like mm -hmm, you just mm -hmm. know that that person yeah. that you're you're looking at, you're speaking to, you're interacting with has like done a deep dive. Yeah. Well, you've seen yourself. And so it's hopefully, I think it's easier for you to see me because you've seen you right. and, and that there's this depth of being able to understand oneself that allows you to understand other people. Yeah. And in terms of like the effects of me being called a man thousands of times, I think the transphobia that I'm facing is very different than like the transphobia of like some maybe a trans woman that's not in the public spotlight mm. because you know that's happening on the street or mm. you know with their partner or you know they're or cloaked with racism as well uh, and racism yes. fat phobia there's so yes. many other things there's there. there's other, so many layers i right. i'm like the most privileged trans woman and it's mm. how can i you know take the the transphobia that i'm experiencing and not let it get to me and mm. then figure out how to continue forward with the joy mm. because I, every time that like I get knocked down, I think I like have to remind myself that like, this is worth it. Mm. And that like, I come back, like what I think would make me more sad than anything is if like I was too hardened as a person or become jaded or, um, not care because I care so deeply that, um, I, I like that part of myself. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think that we need to find the balance there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I love that I am silly. I love mm -hmm. that I have trans joy. I love that I 
like comedy and can still make jokes so about the situation. Buckets of candy and Starburst and the there heart are. candy. There's a lot everywhere. of candy in this, it. Ap- this house right now. <laughs> um, but it's it's coming back to that every time because it's um I don't know if this life would be worth living with the darkness that is happening right now without those those joyful moments. I'm thinking a lot about the line you said, I don't know if I have had time to process this. And my first thought was, I don't know where you would have the time to process everything that's going on. And I guess my question is where do you have, I don't even, I don't know if this is even for the podcast, but I'm just curious, like, do you have time upcoming for you to make time so to process I, all this you know, going on? I think as far as days of girlhood, mm-hmm. I've taken a real step back because mm-hmm. not only have like shared so many moments of the transition, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, there are days where like, I'm just living, you know, there's, there, you know, there's always something new to learn, Mm. but I don't have to experience every single thing with my audience because I did so much of that already. I also think, um, you know, I'm in my womanhood now. I, I don't want that term girlhood to be continually used against me. Um, or to even, I think the measuring of a transition based on days can get a little rocky too, because I don't want to infer that, on day one, I woke up and decided that I was mm-hmm. a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, thoughts that I've had throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I think for, there were some trans people that were sort of like, okay, what, you know, and and as I shared other parts of myself, I did cultivate a, a great trans community and I'm most grateful for them. But right now I am so excited to actually show the world like what I want to do, which is like, writing TV shows and, you know, performing on stage and singing and um, writing. (laughs) And, you know, those are, those are the things that I'm like, this is like what I'm, this is what I want to do. I think the problem was that since I did overshare so much Mm. that when you scale back, people kind of go, wait, 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 what happened? You know, where did this go? Why aren't you talking about this anymore? And that's where you really have to kind of like put some boundaries between Mm. you and your audience and, and I think as long as I'm stand like stay strong in the fact that like, hey, y'all, this is what it, what you get is what you get from me right now. <laughs> um, I think that's the best that I can do. I think that you, you named a like really important one for me: boundaries. That I I'm I'm still learning how to find boundaries, yeah. how to set them, how to know where they are. Right? I think maybe writing some down for me myself could be really good. Yeah, um, because. I even like I started this series like Dylan does dating. <laughs> and, you know, when I started that, I was like, well, I'm sharing everything else. Why wouldn't I talk about this? And it is, you know, something to be said of like, I think, you know, the uh, overall message was like, you know, I, I should be able to date like anybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, I'm not doing a lot of that. But I also think what it did was like, potentially like scare off people because I'm setting the precedent that I'm going to share every part of my life, including our relationship. And like, God forbid we get in a fight. And then on Dylan does dating, I say I got in my first fight in a relationship. So I am going to set the record. Um, for I promise if, if we are going to date, I will not put your ass on blast. Um, and that's, you know, I've ever heard you say ass. I don't think I have either. So this is, that's a big moment, but ultimately I am really excited to do what you did, which is map out some of those things. I think um, relationships will be big. I think even like, I think about my um, continuing on my transition journey physically, I think there's a lot of fear about sharing those things. But 
I also don't ever want to like set the precedent that it's my way is like the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. Um, which scary. I specifically think of like my cis following that like mm-hmm. doesn't know better or just kind right. of like blanket statements, all trans people. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to be very particular about how, you know, and, and what's so great is this is like the first time, like just this past week, I've been like, okay, let's take a pause and let's mm. like, let's see, I've been journaling a lot. I've been asking myself a lot that. of questions. Um, but I, I can't, I'm next journal session is going to be, <laughs> what am I keeping for myself? So I think it's a gift that you put out there. And one of the things I, I comment on your posts, I don't, I'm not online a lot to be quite honest with you. I post and I leave because it's not my boundaries also that I don't read comments. Um, That's I just, a good one. I just don't do a lot of it at all. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I re- I remember why I don't. <laughs> um, but I try, when I do, when I go online, I try to comment on people's stuff because I want to boost. Hype I wanna, them up. Exactly. And, and I also You're want, uh, oh, thank you. Um, I, I try, I really do. And I, I also want your followers though to see, like I want other people to be present. And so what I always say, say on your posts and you probably maybe you've seen it but i'm kind of repetitive because i want people to see this which is that i say i i'm so thankful that you're inviting us in and it's such a privilege and i i mean that with every word you are inviting us in and it's a privilege for us to have access to you thank you I think a lot of us in these positions feel a lot of pressure because I think we're all desperately trying to hold the community and ourselves together and also get our allies to come in. And it's hard. There's a lot. There's not, I only have two hands. Yes. And I have also a lot of like self-hatred that I'm working through too. Mm. And so I think the difficult part is when you're being told that you're not enough or you're not doing this thing or, Mm. but you have the, you already have your own, internal monologue mm-hmm, telling mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. either the same things or much worse things mm. it's like they like work in cahoots mm-hmm. and but the those outside forces don't know that that's mm-hmm, going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, mentally mm-hmm. and i think you know we can understand each other because we've been there we mm-hmm, know what mm-hmm. dysphoria is like we know all these extra things that we're working through that others might not be but it's um i just I think if we could all give ourselves and each other a little bit of grace and mm. like, I just keep thinking about like the bigger picture and not in this, this, like this really um, instant scarcity complex of like the minute to minute of it versus like, okay, how can we all like get each other to the finish line and mm-hmm. then beyond? Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it's like, we're in a, a, a very, um, what's it called when you're in like a, like a, a race that's really short. A sprint? Yes, we're sprinting, baby. I think, Mm. you know, right now we kind of have to, but um, hopefully we can pick up like a nice jog or like a power walk soon. Or relay. I mean, I think we need- Oh, we need need a relay. (laughs) We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on our relay. And I think, you know, I, we were talking a little bit before we started, which is, which is, um, the concept of, of team mateship. Mm-hmm. I think about it in sports. Maybe it's like a person you dance with, a dance partner. Um, but the concept of being able to work together to develop community um, for me has been so important because when I, when I'm having trouble seeing the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. or when I'm like, it's there, but I cannot, I cannot get there. I have to, create a little fire right here with mm-hmm. people that that I feel seen by with people who who I see and who I, I'm like you know this is where I have my light right here you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like we still need to get to that tunnel we still need to get to the end but how can we how can we survive here and how can we like you said earlier not just be consumed by the darkness get jaded lose our softness how do we find joy along this journey because that is the that is the core of it because we're going to be in this journey right Dylan like I I wish I could get, tell you that tomorrow's the day but like this is 
we have gotten worse before we're getting better. And I think we're on, like, if I'm really frank, we're going to keep getting worse before we get better for some period of time. I think that's what's going to happen. And we, we can get through it, right? Like what I think about, and I like, I would say this to you on the podcast or off, Mm -hmm. but like when I feel really, really stuck, I actually think about like Marsha P. Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I think about how she's a black trans woman living in the sixties, largely unhoused, largely without any resource Mm -hmm. or community. Um, And somehow she was like dancing and wearing flower crowns and like joyful. And if she can do that, then we like, we like owe it to her to do it now. Yes. We cannot have history keep repeating itself Mm. over and over again. Mm. Um, And, but maybe what we could come back to is a time where trans people were valued culturally and in community and you know, those, the history I think mm. is, is something that I wasn't really learning about early on. And now I'm like, God, I want to like take an intense class because <laughs> there's so much there. Yeah. And I think it actually can help in these, this darkness to be like, oh my God, this happened before, mm. but like, look at these people that thrived because mm-hmm. of it. And mm. um, yeah, we, we, we can't, we, we can't not do this and like even just the like talking with you today it's like it's like healing a little piece mm. of me no oh, thank you so much that means a lot to me i'm so grateful for the space to share with you dylan and uh, these spaces are, are are like this is how we get through right like connecting across um community connecting across experience connecting in the pain right and like being able to be like i see you in this mm-hmm. like that was the that was the first thing i said when i came in was like gosh you must have so much going on and like I just, I feel for you. And I also like, I want you to know you're so not alone. And you said you hadn't like slept recently and you're having trouble. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. But... No, that's true. It's true. I have, I'm having trouble sleeping. Yeah, and I just, you're not, you're not doing that by yourself. Like you're here. And, and I want you to know that I have so much hope that we're going to get through this. I really do. Yes. And you are part of that fight. And so is your rest because you're a part of that fight. Right. And like, Thank I have you. to remind myself of that too. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and there is a guilt sometimes when, like, sure, sure. you know, you'd go to do something fun, or you go on vacation, mm. or you know, it's. But those those are part of the rest, mm. and it's part of the recharge mm. um, and the privilege because mm. we are very privileged to Absolutely. rest. Absolutely, um, in moments, but um, that again, it's like it's the long game. It's a long race. Yeah, we'll be right back with Dear Skylar in a minute. The transphobia that we're seeing in this country has shifted, in my opinion, my ex, you know experience from being cloaked in protect women, protect mm-hmm. children, whatever, to now just being outright transphobia. Right? There's, there's like there's no questioning the transphobia now. West. It's it is, and you know we had Michael Knowles explicitly say transgenderism, quote unquote, transgenderism needs to be eradicated from all public life, and and you know went on this whole tirade about that, supposedly claiming he didn't mean trans people. But we, how do you eradicate mm. transness without eradicating us? So we're, we're having actual calls for our, our eradication. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound weird, but bear with me. Okay. Um, I'm with you. I have, thank you. I have found pain in, in receiving this. And I've also found empowerment. And the reason that the second one is happening, I think pain's obvious, right? But the, the empowerment comes where they're saying we shouldn't exist. They're saying that we need to be eradicated. They're saying that we can't do X, Y, and Z. 
And yet here we are, right? And here we are also connecting with each other. Mm-hmm. Here we are finding love with each other. I, I, there's nothing more powerful to me than that. Well, and what you see on the other side of things is they're all very united mm. and they stick by each other. They know mm. each other mm. and we have to be equally mm. as on the same page mm. because if we go quiet when certain things go amiss mm. or, you know, I think that becomes a problem because they see that is our weakness, that mm-hmm. we are not mm. together united. in something. Mm. Um, and that's why I think you know, like even moments away from, you know, filming something or making a video, like it is about the the table talk of, you know, when like you're like, you know, talking with another trans person and Mm -hmm, sharing mm -hmm. an experience or, you know, being criticized, you know, privately to then go forward together. um, I think there's a lot of power in that. And, And because we're so few that, which is also the crazy, I'm like, wait, there's so like, why, why are we panicking? And there's like 1% of us. I know, I'm like, hello. Um, (laughs) But I think the, the more united we can be, the better chance we have of like, of, of getting through this. Yeah. Um, And it's just also like, I think the anger, the, the emotion of anger was something that I've always been really scared to tap into Mm -hmm. and something that I thought was, I saw it as a very bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have every right to be angry right now. Mm. We, we, to, we have to, I think I go between either wanting dis, to disassociate and like hide under the covers mm. or to like really feel things. And as much as it, um, it's a lot of effort and scary and a lot of energy, I've started to feel anger in ways that I hadn't before in ways that make me want to, to make progress mm. and not like in, in anything negative of a way, but actually to light a fire under me, that's like, okay, now's the time, like all hands on deck. Yeah. One of my friends said this recently, um, they're, they're a Korean American non-binary person. And they said, they said, we need to feel queer fury. And I loved that phrase. I've been like stuck to it recently, this queer fury, Mm -hmm. because the queer fury doesn't, it's not, it's not anger so much anger is part of it, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's indignous. It's, it's, I deserve better. We deserve more and our community will fight to get what we deserve. And I, I just, I love that. And I I wanted to share that with you, that queer fury. I, I am finding my fury. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of trans people have been waiting for me to find my fury. (laughs) And let's be honest, my platform is like very much like cis consumption and the fact that mm. like, you know, I'm the first taste of transness mm-hmm. for some of these people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I also know there are, you know, younger people that are feeling these things and have, you know, uh, some relatability. Mm. And I do think though that like there, there's a time now and now that I, you know, have had a second and I'm only one year in, but like, Mm. I can't, that, that fury is cultivating. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's about actually, it kind of aligns with what we started this conversation with, which is about your self-love and your self-care because part, in my opinion, and my journey with myself, my self-love encompasses anger because Mm -hmm. when I am wronged, I am angry. And if I don't care for myself, then I won't get angry, right? Right. I'll people please instead. And so that it's, it's a way that I think society gaslights us into thinking, oh, if you anger somebody, it's your responsibility to please them then instead of actually being like, wait, no, no, no you disrespected me. I'm angry now. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love that you're like digging into that now. I, I mean, it would be, um, scary. I don't, I think if, if we were not, um, feeling something mm-hmm. and I think that's 
what another tactic that these people, you know, it, they would love to feel have see us disassociate. They would love for us to disconnect from yes. each other and yes. from our relationships. Well, their with whole goal our is to disconnect them, disconnect us from ourselves. That's what they want to do: is yeah. disconnect you from your womanhood, right? Yes. Disconnect me from my manhood. It brings that. That's that's the goal, I think. Mm-hmm. And and so when we actually double down and are like, "No, babe," like <laughs> here I am. Like mm. that's that's the power. Mm. I, I, you didn't ask for my advice, but I no, wanted, I wanted. I, <laughs> no, dear Skylar, this is what I'm asking for. Oh, I, I would love a little advice. Well, I, I just, I want to tell you that you can, I think you can both be authentic to others and be authentic to yourself. Yeah. And for me, what I, my most recent motto for myself has been authenticity actually is for me only and how much I give to others is what I give. They're just right? watching. They're exactly. watching it exist within you. Exactly. Oh, that's good. I think there are ways creatively, since you know our main creative outlet right now is the internet, to like expand that into every part of our lives in our careers. What I hope for, I hope that for you so so much. So I hope that I'm so excited to see you become you. a Broadway star. Oh my god, you're already it. a star. You're, no, you're gonna do it. It's gonna be amazing, and we're gonna we're gonna sit here five years from now and we're gonna do this again, and you'll be a Broadway star. Um, five years, you'll have been doing it for four. I'm sure. Stop it. <laughs> um, but what I also want to say, and what I rem- want to remind the listeners about, is that I think that anybody can can download the authenticity can watch mm-hmm. the authenticity and use that or or learn from it to connect with themselves right yes. and i think that's probably why you have so many cis followers too is because they're they don't have access to somebody saying hey you you actually need to learn about you mm-hmm. right like you need to learn about your own authenticity my hope for gen z is like the way that like i think we are handed down information and belief systems and you know all of these things from our elders mm-hmm. I'm now watching them start to challenge those things in the mm. way that like we just took a lot longer to yep. get there yep. and they're doing it like even earlier. Immediately. <laughs> and awesome. some of the conversations I'm having now with like an older generation, I'm like, I even think the Gen Z's already with the program. Yeah. So yeah. um I I have I do they are my like my my hope, yeah. hope, hope. Shining hope. I think they they really are. And I think the more we can learn from young people, the better. And I yeah, I so agree with you, Dylan. We could see here all day, but is there anything else you, you want to share about this or, or, you know, to the listeners that you need them to know? Obviously honored to be on this podcast. And I think the word that keeps popping into my head throughout this entire time has been grace mm. and like, and giving each other grace, giving ourselves grace, mm. even dare I say, this mm. might be, a, this is controversial, Go for it. <laughs> but the people that mm. are targeting us right mm. now. Mm. I'm trying to find grace for them mm. because I know that something in them, this was, you know, planted from mm. something mm-hmm. else. And Absolutely. I can only hope that they will see the beauty mm. and the humanity and the importance of an identity and not mm. trying to strip that away because I'm don't think we're trying to take it away from them. Mm. You know, it's, mm. it's, um, Grace is going to be my word of the week. I decided. Mm. Um, I don't know how to end this perfectly because there's no. I just want to keep talking to you, Dylan. So I, I think I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have to close this out. But I'm. I uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I hope you have so much gratitude for yourself as well. I've got your back, and I've um, got yours. I can't wait to see all the things we do, and you do. Ditto. Thanks so much. Love ya.
Many, many thanks to Dylan for her time and especially for welcoming me into her home. I want to make sure we get to a clear answer to today's question. How do we find trans joy or just joy amidst so much transphobia and discrimination? In short, the answer is boundaries, making sure we understand how much energy we can give, what our capacity is, and then adhering and respecting and protecting that. I know that, quote, setting boundaries is something we're told to do all the time, but in reality, it's a little bit more nuanced than just flicking a boundaries switch on. To actually set boundaries, you have to start with valuing boundaries themselves, and that actually is also about valuing yourself. Setting boundaries is a way to say, I love myself, I actually am protecting myself. It's a way to cultivate your own self-worth. Then you have to know your boundaries. What are your boundaries? And Dylan and I even talked about that. Sometimes we don't know what our boundaries are. Dylan is learning about what hers are. I am learning about them too. After you know what your boundaries are, then it's about actually setting them, maintaining them, communicating them with other people. And that can be difficult. That's something that we need to practice. That's something that we need to understand with ourselves. And again, goes back to valuing and knowing them before we can actually communicate them to other people. And lastly, most people don't talk about this, but once you set your boundaries, you also need to be able to adjust your boundaries. Boundaries are not fixed because we are not fixed. Lots of things change in my life, right? My energy, my time, my capacity to interface with other people and their boundaries. So it's important to be able to be flexible, right? To adjust our boundaries as life evolves around us and as we adapt to those changes. During our conversation, you might notice that Dylan was careful not to mention names or specific brands. She even said she was still processing the moment, processing what she was going through. And I understood that as a boundary that she was setting related to the events. I love that. I think we should respect that and not press. For me, I have boundaries about lots of different things. And one of my most important boundaries is actually about sleep and nourishment. Sleep means I need to get to bed on time to make sure that I'm rested for the next day. And nourishment means I'm drinking enough water and eating food that makes me feel good. I also have boundaries about the media and the news that I consume. I make sure that I'm not reading too many comments online or reading too many DMs that are filled with hate because I can avoid it. And so I do. I hope that this conversation with Dylan has encouraged you to think about what your boundaries are, to value your own boundaries, protect them and communicate them with others so that you can protect yourself. I hope you lean on friends and family and community just as me and Dylan lean on each other and lean on our communities in order to best protect our joy. What do you think of today's answer? Send me your thoughts or any question you would like to ask me by going to dearskyler.com. You can send me a message via text or even better, a voice message. Dear Skyler was written and hosted by me, Skyler Baylor, for Diversion Audio. Our producer is Antonio Enriquez and supervising producer is Mark Francis. Guest booking by Anthony Lopez and Keith Lowry with assistance from Corey Michibata. Our head of development is Jacob Bronstein with Emma DeMuth. Custom music by Tyler Cash. Our head of marketing is Nisha Gopalan. Executive producers for Diversion Audio are Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, Susan Canavan, and Scott Waxman. Diversion Audio.